0: Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shore. Well, hello and welcome to this week's uh, Countryside with Kiri Kirwood and myself, Simon Clark. Well, diversification, pedigree livestock, all mixed in with trying to run B&Bs. That's <laughs> Alan and Sandra Jones, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they're very busy people on the north of the island. And I had a look around their stock that evening and they're absolute credit to them. But uh, they work hard to run a lovely B&B too, so a and, nice... And cup of tea with them as well
0: yeah it's a lovely place as well and it seems to be good attractions for for visitors now who are just wanting to get away from the hustle and bustle of uh, town life a lot of them, aren't they? That's
1: right, it's so peaceful up there. They get a lot of people walking or cycling and it's so much to see and do on the north of the island as well. And so I believe it's always the sunny north.
0: Yeah, well, we'll be starting gossip, Kiri, because I was at Smail as well (laughs) last week. But I met up with the Isle of Man Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group. Uh, They were getting shown around there by the heir's Warden, Louise Sampson. And uh, I had a chat with them, but I also had a chat uh, while I was there with jane powell who is a, a writer writes about farming and wildlife things uh, back in a hometown in aberystwyth in wales and it was her visit uh, first visit to the isle of man so i had a chat with her and also heather honey we speak to the beekeepers sometimes but uh, ian buxton who's a member of the ellen vannon friendly beekeepers uh, society he told me uh, a lot of Great information about heather honey, which you never really hear much of before Before I spoke to him.
1: And there's so many benefits from honey as well. It'd be such a great thing if they get good results with our local heather honey. There's so much heather on the island, so why not use it?
0: No, and you were at Kronkavori with the big spuds.
1: Yes, it was a great turnout at Cronk of Oddy, as always. And what a wonderful display of produce and flowers and cakes to be had. It was unbelievable. And the highlight of my evening was the massive pumpkin from Harold Lees. It was 100 kilos. Really? Massive. They couldn't put it on the table.
0: <laughs>
2: Fair. I'll wheel-bound it
0: <laughs> again, that one, I want hope. All right, let's hear it all in full in this week's Countryside.
2: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU
0: Mutual. <sighs> Well last weekend I took a skeet down to Smale to meet up with some of the FWAG group, uh, the Isle of Man Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group. There I met up with Jane Powell who has wrote many articles for her local paper and magazines back in Aberystwyth in Wales. It was her first visit to the island and I asked Jane first of all what attracted her here.
3: Well I was invited actually by the FWAG group who had read an article that I wrote and decided to invite me to come and Talk a bit more about it.
0: Now, this is something that you're familiar with, not just talking about it, writing about it back home, isn't it?
3: I've been doing a bit of writing back home in Wales. I originally got into it for a job I had, which was where we were looking at values. We were looking at what people cared about, what really makes people get out of bed in the morning, what they really put their lives on the line for. Using that approach, really, to talk to people, especially we, as we did some work with farmers. In Wales. We've made a short video talking to farmers about what they really care about, what what matters to them, what's really important.
0: Do you get mixed views from back there whether some are more important in trying to make a lot of money by expanding and some maybe only have little places and want to help the wildlife? Do you get a bit of a mixture or are they all yeah, pretty well up there?
3: They're a mixture, but actually what came across talking to all of the ones that we spoke to anyway was how much they see themselves as food producers, how much not in the sense of making producing lots of food and making lots of money. Money, but it really was important to them that, that they're producing something that people need, and, and that was what their contribution to society was: was producing food. But they didn't see it just as producing food, they saw it as so many other things as well. So looking after the environment and wildlife was just part of what they did, completely part of what they did. And uh, creating jobs for the local economy was something that they did. Mm. And they liked to see themselves at the centre of a, a thriving world that they were keeping going themselves.
0: I so. suppose uh, when you got the invitation from the Isle of Man Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group, then it was perfectly fitted in.
3: It was really exciting, mm, yes, because yeah. I want to come and I wanted to I want to explore this more deeply, really, and find out a bit more about what farmers are thinking and where 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 it's all going to go. You know, things are changing so fast. We've got Brexit back home, and that's going to affect you as well on the Isle of Man, I think. Yeah. So, so many things are up for grabs. So many things are up for rediscussion, and people are open actually to thinking again about where their food comes from and who looks after the countryside.
0: You've been on a farm this morning on your early in the, m- the visit uh, and we're out here on the, the air's Nature Reserve now. Tell us about yeah. your, your farm visit today. Well,
3: I went to see, I think it's called Gilka. Farm and uh, we saw the, the fields there where where Joe is growing is is, is is practicing a crop rotation and then growing a lot of wildflowers around the margins and looking after the hedges. It was beautiful, really, really beautiful. Yeah, they've Some, got the
0: added bonus. I suppose they've got uh, they're down by uh, the trench, the land trench as they call it. So they have got a yes. bit of marshy stuff. They got a bit of a. a Sort of plant little small plantation and, or wood there as well. Yeah,
3: I? yes, and the, and the trench is causing a bit of a problem because it's drying out their land and they're losing some of their wet habitats. So it's a really interesting question there mm. about about water management and flooding and. Uh,
0: and it's funny that I mean, when for years uh, farmers have been encouraged, come on, get your ditches clean, get your, mm. <laughs> get it all drained away, and yet this could cause problems years later.
3: Yes, and in fact, back in in Wales, in in, in mid Wales, they're busy blocking up some of the drains because that actually. If you block the drains, more of the water gets absorbed by the land. As, as opposed to running off in running off, off into the rivers and actually causing flooding downstream. So it's an important part of flooding control to absorb the water actually where it's produced.
0: Now yes. we're here at the, the nature reserve here at, um, at Rue Point. You've had a walk around here. What's your impressions of this? Anywhere well, like this back in Aberystwyth?
3: Uh, yes and no. Mm. Yeah, Obviously we've got sea and we've got sand dunes and, and sand. This is a heath that we don't quite have this habitat. I, have, I haven't seen heather growing quite so short or quite so... Not so much on the lowlands. Oh, you haven't seen how windy it is. You? <laughs> <laughs> of
0: course, you've had Louise Sampson, the Ayers Warden here showing you around, and she was she's so passionate yeah, she's about this area. knows
3: so she? much. She was very sad actually hearing about all the the difficulties that the breeding birds are having. So the Arctic terns not um, not rearing young properly and possibly dropping the fish stock so that they're not able to feed their chicks. So, so I think it must be very tough watching watching things. I think she thinks it's it's climate change, it's, it's extra rainfall, everything's changing. And of course, some species lose out. And it must be very hard to see that. Mm. You know, when your job is to look after nature and the things that you're looking after are, are failing for some reason. And then other things are doing really well. So the curlews are doing very well. So. I guess it swings in roundabouts,
0: but yeah, it's, it's worrying,
3: I think. It's, all over the world, things are isn't changing. it? Yeah, things yeah. are really are changing. Well, a
0: very fascinating lady to talk to and very passionate about finding out more about what's happening in the wildlife world and also the farming world. That was uh, Jane Powell from Aberystwyth in Wales, a guest of the FWAG, the Isle of Man Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group. It was a, a lovely walk down to the... Uh, the trees and the forest and a smell or rue point as some call it. It's a group of enthusiasts that's trying to look after everything she learnt a lot about, you know, what was happening of course with Louise Sampson, the air's warden there along, you know, to to give her um, bits and pieces about her knowledge of the area too.
1: There'd be, I suppose, rare species and all sorts of new things to see and, and to point out to local people as well and, and it's such a beautiful place isn't it, the
0: airs Yeah, and they'd been to Joe Crellins in the morning as she said there in the Gilkirk and uh, having a look around and you know, it's just a good example of a farm, isn't it? Because it's got lots of different arable lands. It's got the equestrian side there with diversification. It's got the little forest and woodland there, the wetlands down near the land Trench. You know, it's got everything that uh, sort of excites uh, them people from that area of, of life, really.
1: Well, that's it. Some of these species only live with certain other species as well. So to have that diversity within one farm, you, I, I bet you find all sorts of interesting facts.
0: Yeah, it was interesting that her mentioning as well about... Um, you know, the the way things have gone, that's always had the meadows and things. You know, most farms and remember It's of course, for years they encouraged farmers to to put ditches in and drain them, and now they're struggling for wetland areas, which uh, seems that's it.
1: The modern way of farming doesn't always suit some of these rare no. old-fashioned species. And where we are down at Langness, there, there's grasshoppers, and on the on the coast of Santon Gorge, you see all sorts of rare things down there. It's absolutely fascinating for people of the Foie Group.
0: Yeah. Talking about rare things, <laughs> <laughs> some rare old characters at the Kronkavadi uh, fair, wasn't
1: there? Yeah, the Kronkavadi. O- I mean, uh,
0: in a nice way, of course. Absolutely.
1: No, the Kronkavadi produce show is always a good turnout, and and they always hold the big spud competition. And uh, this year, ninety buckets were handed out with seed potatoes, and eighty-seven came back. So it was a really, That's really good, good turnout. So I caught up with some of the organisers, Jim Kane and Gordon Clegg.
4: Well, it started out that the ploughing match was getting short of funds. So we decided we'd have to do something about it. We arranged to have start this project show and also to restart the sports. The sports used to be happen years ago and then they died out for a number of years. So. And then um, somebody had a bright idea that we buy a marquee. So we done that and then we started renting it out every year. That come to be two marquees in and this year it's possibly been out more than ever, hasn't it? So we've made a lot of money with that. Since this sport started, we've given well over fifty thousand to charity.
1: And Gordon, you're the chairperson of the society. You must be delighted with the turnout here today.
4: I'm really pleased with it. We've got uh, ninety foot of marquee here now, and it's pretty well full, which is a big difference when it first started. And there's good entries in all the confectionery, vegetable classes, the pot plants, flower section, everything has been supported well by everybody.
1: There's one event that happens here every year, the big sport competition. Now, this is island-wide, and it's fierce competition. How did the entries go this year?
4: Well, it's getting more and more popular every year. We actually put 97 buckets out this year and My seed potatoes. Golly. And I think there's about 88 come back. So it's, it's it's done quite well to come back.
1: So this year, Gordon, Leslie Holzle from Peel came up out top with his... Uh, Bucket of spuds. What was the? Was it close behind him?
4: Leslie had uh, 18 pounds, 15 ounces. Dotty Farraga was coming close behind, second with 17 pounds, and Carol Farraga was 14 pounds. But these are all good weights. Uh, they were a lot lighter than last year. I mean, last year's weights were around the 23 and a half, 21, 20 pound, 22 pound. That's the sort of range they were in. So it must have been a poor year all round.
1: So would it be, obviously they're growing in these tubs, so the ground conditions can't really affect them, but is it how they're kept at home or what they're feeding them, maybe?
4: It's where they're fed, where, they, where they're kept, how much you watered them. Some people, I noticed, haven't put drain holes in the bottom of the tubs this year and they were waterlogged. Oh God. And it's, it's all little things you've got to remember, you don't think about at the time, you just put the spud in and water and it can't get away, but... Yeah. All these things are took into consideration.
1: So will these buds here today, will they be sold tonight? Because you obviously have a very successful sale of produce each year.
4: Yes, we do very good for, the, for our sale every year. Everybody that enters in the show are very good to leave the produce behind. We can hold the auction later. All proceeds, we pick a charity every year and try and keep it on the Isle of Man. And this year's charity is uh, Motor Neuro and Isle of Man. Everything that's raised is not just from today, from the sports, from the plough matches... Uh, we hired out the marquees various times through the years, and that's all put together.
1: Be very proud of yourselves. A lot of hard work goes into it, a day like today.
4: There is a lot of hard work going into it. And I know you're talking to me and you've, you've said on the chairman, but I'm only one person. The chairman is only at the head of a big committee. If it wasn't for the likes of uh, Jim and Marion Kane, and Dennis Wendy Quirk, and Ruth Brown, and Mike, everybody that comes and does anything it's all it's all teamwork it's so nice. there's no iron team like you've just got to keep going and work together
1: binlow sloan you're a very keen gardener and you've won quite a number of prizes here tonight at the crunk show do you enjoy gardening yourself yeah and do you think you'll be a farmer or a gardener when you're older both so what's next you've got the sale of veggies this afternoon are you, are you looking forward to the sale yeah and what will you be buying I hope to buy one of the heavy pumpkins Because seeds in the pumpkins, we're going to try planting the seeds. Have you ever tried pumpkin growing before? We're given a pumpkin seed, an Atlantic giant, but that didn't grow. It grew a little bit, like a centimetre, and then it just died off for some reason. Oh, so try again harder next year then? Yeah, hopefully. We'll try and get a polytunnel field at Grandad's farm. That's a good idea, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, we've got like marrows and squashes growing down where we're hoping to build a polytunnel. So you're a very keen gardener and it's, uh, your brothers and sisters, they help as well? Yeah. And is it a hard job to keep all these things going? What do you have to do to look after them? Make sure that the bugs aren't getting at them because... They'll ruin the leaves and stop them from growing yeah. as well, I suppose. Also, carrot fly, we we had a big problem with carrot flies this year. So carrots were turning out very bad. Oh, no. You need to keep reading to make sure they've got plenty of water. There was a continuous job then all the way through the summer holidays to get them right for this show today. Yeah, keeps you busy, stops you from being bored. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well done, Finland. Maddy, yourself and your family have done ever so well here at Cronkabody at the produce show. The children are so keen to take part. Is it something you've always enjoyed yourself? Yeah, my gran got me gardening when I was little, and it's just something I was really keen to get the kids doing. They all like to muck in, especially digging the potatoes. But then he's had competition. Finlay was saying that the the big pumpkin, they're keen to have the pumpkin to take the seeds to grow them, so there's obviously a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment because he got some um, pumpkin seed this year, but they just didn't work out, so... Hopefully next year we'll get a massive pumpkin for them. So do you make a lot of home homegrown soups and 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 you know dishes at home? Is it easier to grow your own produce to do that? Is it cheaper maybe? I think it's just more satisfying for the kids yeah. because they've helped grow the vegetables themselves and then they're reaping the rewards at the end. So and the produce sale later this evening. That's obviously a big earner for. Is it? Does it all go back to the to the show at Kronkvadie here? Yeah, it all goes back to the show. I believe this year that's for motor neurone disease, which is a very worthwhile charity. So we're glad to support it. I was. Gordon Clegg, Jim Kane, and Maddy and Finlow Sloan.
0: Always a great load of characters there, isn't it? And such bizarre competitions they have. The big spud. And you mentioned earlier, you know, so many of them turned out from the 90-whatever buckets there was to start with. And there was a fair old winner...
1: Oh yes, uh, yeah. Leslie Holzel. He topped it again this year with 18, uh, 18.5 pounds of potatoes.
0: Really? Yeah. He's uh,
1: obviously got a few tricks up his sleeve.
0: Yeah. Great that they've gotten the schools involved too, isn't it? And the and the youngsters with the with the turnips. It was a fair turnip there, wasn't it? Oh, the
1: enormous turnip! Yeah. It was a heck of a size. But it's lovely to see the schools taking part, and it keeps these competitions alive. And there was lots of new classes, uh, decorated stones. You know, something really simple like that. Uh, you know, animals made out of. Fruit and vegetables, nothing too serious, but able to take part. Yeah,
0: wonderful community.
2: (sighs) Manx Radio's Countryside is
0: brought to you by NFU Mutual. And we've spoke, or you've spoke, to the beekeepers on the island, man, over recent times, Kerry, but what about... Heather honey, do you know much about that?
1: I have heard it's um, very tasty, but no. I don't know much else about it.
0: No, well, I didn't really. But while I was at the Isle of Man Food and Drink Festival, I caught up with Ian Buxton, who's a member of the Alan Vannan Friendly Beekeepers Society, and he told me more about it.
2: It's a different kind of honey to most of the honey you'll buy in the shops. It's quite difficult to produce because it's a, a thixotropic honey, it sets like a jelly inside the honeycomb. So if you want to extract it and get it into a jar, it's a lot of hard work for the beekeeper. You've got to crush and press the honey out of the comb, or it could be cut out as a piece of honeycomb with the heather honey in it. It's, uh, it's different to extracting, a, not so easy to extract as a, as a clear, runny honey.
0: As a beekeeper, though, is that something that that just makes it a little bit more of a challenge and sets you
2: aside a little bit, that you can do it? Yes, if you do that, it does make it a little bit more unique. It's more of a premium product, and there are only a couple of beekeepers on the island, man, that take the trouble to do it because you've got to move the bees up to the heather and take them up on the hills so they can feed on that at the right time of year. And then when the flowers have gone, you've got to take the beehives back down from the mountain again and then you've got all the hard work of extracting, so it is quite a difficult process, yeah.
0: Got a fairly dark uh, look about it. You can dip the spoon in it really easily, you know, like a liquid one, but when you turn the jar upside down, it stays in there.
2: Yes, a bit like a tomato ketchup, has that sort of fixotropic consistency. It's solid or semi-solid, but when you hit it or agitate it in the right way, it will start to flow. So there are two ways to get it out out of the honeycomb. You can either vibrate it and get it liquid and then try and extract it very quickly but the usual method is to press it and then push it through filters and sieves so it is quite difficult to get out and a lot of beekeepers find that takes a lot more time than than they've got available to them to do it (laughs) for the the and it's it's for the experts really i suppose um but it's an interesting honey because it's being compared to the manuka honeys that new zealand produces it's a similar kind of shrub and it has a slightly possibly a medicinal taste to it a little bit different to the sweeter blossom honeys and there is some studies that say that the heather honeys and some of the honeys in scotland which will also probably be on the heather and other shrubs actually have more active ingredients in them than some of the manuka honeys that are on sale so I think it will become a lucrative crop and a specialist crop for the Isle of Man and for the northern counties of the UK to be able to produce heather honey in the future.
0: Oh, and it's a funny scenario that because you think if they were in a normal environment with loads of different types of flowers to get the nectar
2: from whereas the heather they'd be sort of limited to certain type yeah sometimes you get a mixture so you get the bees that are on the edge of where the heather's growing you'll get blossom earlier in the season and then the heather when those when it comes into flower they'll take that but um to produce pure heather honey you've got to wait for the season of the heather and then actually move your bees up to the hills It's an interesting sort of job to do. I've not tried that yet, but I'll be looking at it in the future.
0: (laughs) The Manx honey is still preferred by a lot of people, isn't it? It is
2: and local honey. If you eat your local honey from your nearest beekeepers, it's supposed to have beneficial health properties for you, especially if you have allergies like hay fever. You're consuming a little bit of the local pollens that are around in the area. So you're building up a little bit of immunity as a theory. How long have you been involved in it now? I've been keeping bees for the last three years and uh, Pat Care and Shimmin are my beekeeping mentors. They've been helping me with how to learn the craft, uh, how to work with the hive. We're maybe a little bit different to some traditional beekeepers because we don't use smoke when we go into our hives. We only open them without smoke or sometimes we use a little spray of water. The traditional way that the old beekeepers use is to, is to use smoke, but the reason I don't do that is um, it promotes a little bit of a, a fear response in the bees. They go down into the hive and they consume the honey because they think they're going to have to take flight and find a new home. They, th- they think fire is coming. Uh, so I don't like that idea, so I, I subscribe to a non-smoked beehive. So you're a bit more daredevil then, not (laughs) sedating
0: them a bit. Well, you would be going in naked without a suit on next.
2: I have tried beekeeping without gloves. Some beekeepers do that quite a lot. If you're gentle with the bees and careful, it can go well. But if you get it wrong, and as a learner you're often going to get it wrong, you could get stung. Generally, a little bit painful for a couple of days, but it's not too bad. They're misunderstood though, aren't they? Bees are very misunderstood. Wasps are also misunderstood. Everybody thinks wasps are bad, but actually wasps are very good for the environment as well. Not many people know this, but wasps are carnivores, so they'll eat all of the uh, bugs and things like the aphids that we don't really want in our gardens. They'll eat those and consume them and feed them to their grubs. And then they take a little drop of honeydew from the grub, and that's what the, uh, the adult wasp lives on. So when all those grubs have grown up and become wasps, suddenly this food source for the wasps disappears. And that's why you see them joining our picnics and trying to get our sweet drinks, because they're starving at the end of the season, the end of the summer. Wow, it's fascinating. So so everything has its place. Yeah. The environment's important, and we should look, look after the bees and the wasps, really.
0: That was Ian Buxton from the Ellen Van and Friendly Beekeeper Society telling me uh, more about heather honey, which... Uh, it's got a lot of potential, Kerry, hasn't it, with uh, that comparison with the Manuka honey properties as well that uh, they're thinking.
1: Lots of health benefits mm. come from natural products. And if this is the case, then it's absolutely brilliant for the beekeepers on the Isle of Man.
0: Yeah, but uh, just be aware, its a lot to beekeeping. So uh, it's not just for every Tom, Dick and Harry. not. <laughs> I think Certainly you've, got not. To, you've got to know a little bit about it. So uh, if you're thinking of going into it, talk to the people who know. Um, you've been up north as well, uh, what were you doing there around Smail?
1: I caught up with Alan and Sandra Jones to talk about livestock farming and in the north of the island and also their diversification into a very successful Croytony Bay BnB B&B.
5: We've only just gone into the cementals, we had the chance of some really good breeding cows in England we were away at a bull sale we'd taken some of our pedigree heifers away to sell and we had the chance of buying these couple of good simmental cows that were in calf, so we'd always like the simmental as well as the British Blue, so we decided, yes, why not? <laughs> we'll start another lot as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but to choose the genetics, you, I imagine you have to go to the UK to get the best of bloodlines to cross with your homebred cows.
5: Yes, we do a lot of artificial insemination on the pedigree cows. Yeah. So we're trying to get the best bloodlines that we can afford. I'm paying a lot of money for some of the straws, but you're just trying to get the best that you can.
1: Tonight here, we've seen some of the
5: offspring for this year, some lovely British blue bull calves. What will you do with them? Depending on the demand on the island, we'll hopefully sell some of them on the island, and then if we've got any that we haven't had demand for, we will take those to a pedigree sale away, because in England, the people there that are buying stock really, really like the health status of the Isle of Man, this is what people like about the Isle of Man stock. And you also keep sheep, do you, do you show the pedigree sheep too? No, we don't. We have um, pure Romanies and we have pure Beltex's. Okay. And the Beltex's, we're selling the Tups and Tuplam's and the females. With the Romani's, it's more about we're selling the, the females for replacement ewes for people. So we have a customer that buys those off us every year. So the male Romanis they go into the fat stock. So that's meat for the island, for the lambs. But no, we can't do everything. And we're both cattle people really more so than sheep.
1: I can imagine at lamb and time or calving time, it will be a very busy place.
5: Yes, it is. Um, we lamb and calve at the same time. They're in sheds next door to each other. Yeah. You just have to get used to not getting to bed sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How do you manage with the pedigree cattle, in particular? You see that they have a bit of a fashion or a trend or the, or the latest outlook a beast might you might prefer white ones this year or or black and white ones the year after or one that's got you know a bright outlook, a cocky head, or a sparkle about them, or really great locomotion or less muddled muscling. How do you manage to keep
5: up, especially being away from the UK with these trends? Well, we belong to the British Blue Society, so we've got all of that, of course, on the computer and we're watching to see what's going on. Um, The darker bulls are the more popular at the moment, white bulls for the dairy industry, but the darker ones for the beef industry. The white ones, because they throw a pale blue calf, which is what the dairy people want. Beef prefer the darker Beef People prefer the, the darker bulls. And you've got
1: a busy month or two coming up ahead of you with the annual suckler sale you have here at St John's.
2: Yes, well, we're just starting to feed the calves a bit now just to get them eaten well for people before they buy them.
1: You have a good, a good sale most years. We you have repeat
5: buyers mostly? Usually, yes. The cattle do well for them, so they come back time and time again. Mm. So we sell our calves on, and those become... Meat animals eventually and hopefully most of that will go through the fat stock which is very important. We want to keep you know good quality produce on the island here.
1: But also you have an award-winning bed and breakfast that certainly keeps you on your toes at maybe the weekends in particular. Yeah
5: just a bit. (laughs) That's an important part of our business. It's important for the income but it's also important to be meeting people and we meet people from all over the world and it's it's a really nice way of earning a bit extra yeah. and bringing in extra income to the farm. I belong to the Isle of Man Stay on a Farm group and we're a small working group of farms. Our ethos is, if you like, that we are all working farms and that's what people enjoy coming for because they want to see what goes on on a working farm. Yeah. We offer them tours so they can go round
2: yeah. in the
5: Land Rover and up in the middle of the cows and seeing the calves and just being careful but they enjoy it. <laughs> People don't realise what goes on day to day on a farm and they just love it and Alan usually comes in when I have finished breakfast and says good morning to them all and they're asking him what he's going to be doing today and yeah. you know things like that and especially if there's a cow due to calf. Has she carved? Yes, first question when you come in. <laughs> the people that come here are the people that want to be out in the countryside. They don't want to be in the towns. Yeah. They're not bothered. They're back here maybe 7 or 8 o'clock at night and they're sitting in the conservatory and... There's cows and calves in the field next to them and they're watching them and you see them running for their camera (laughs) and they're out the door and photographs taken.
1: That was Alan and Sandra Jones from Coitney Bain in Smale.
0: Yeah, and it's also great that um, there's awards exist, you know, that I uh, hear that they get as well for you know using a lot of manx produce in their bed and breakfast um, facilities you know it's it's just great and these things you don't know about isn't it
1: this is it a lot of work goes into the b&b side of it and there's many awards that can be achieved and the harvest award for the use of the manx produce i think is essential for uh, people visiting our island and uh, alan and sandra use all manx produce in that b&b business and i, I think it's wonderful mm.
2: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU
4: Mutual.
0: Well, from little, tiny busy bees, to massive hundred kg pumpkins, a bit of contrast in it. Um, all interesting, though, isn't it? There's particularly the heather honey as well. In books, and they're telling us uh, uh, quite a bit about that and that connection that they're hoping with the uh, manuka honey. Um, I think it's New Zealand a lot of it's uh, produced as well. So such medicinal benefits from it uh, that uh, people it's one of them things the old wives tales isn't it I get some honey in you that'll cure your throat
1: and it still works
0: yeah it does so we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside we'll be back the same time next week so from me Simon Clark and me Kerry Comer see you then bye bye
1: bye bye don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all new super fast plus broadband enjoy more bandwidth amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month